everybody and welcome back to Han Talks First. This is the podcast you're looking for. A Star Wars show where we talk about the latest and greatest going on in the galaxy far, far away. We got a bunch to talk about because I was supposed to do an episode last Sunday, but I forgot to. I literally forgot what day of the week it was last Sunday. That's how busy I have been. But I managed to find time today. I really shouldn't be doing this podcast because I have so much work to do. But I had a couple people reach out to me on Twitter and on Instagram asking about where the show was. So we're here today. And thank you for all of you who have been looking forward to it. I also want to apologize because last week, in addition to not doing a show, I did one on Friday evening, just kind of a little bonus episode talking about my trip to Galaxy's Edge, which you can go check out. It's linked below. But I forgot to actually plug in this mic. So it was using my camera's microphone, which is awful, absolutely awful. So it really stressed me out because for the audio listeners, I know it wasn't to par with how the show normally sounds. So I apologize for that. But today, everything seems to be working okay. And we have a lot of great things to talk about. Tons of news, such as Knights of the Old Republic, obviously from the thumbnail. We all know it's getting remade as a new game but we're going to talk about the details there's also rumors of another new game that has yet to be announced but we have details on who the studio is making it and what it could possibly be we're also talking about obi-wan kenobi we have some word from the cast members talking about the movie including ewan mcgregor and sang kang we're also talking about the book of boba fett the mandalorian season three the Emmy Awards that they just won, and a bunch of other stuff, such as Star Wars Visions and more. So, again, thank you for joining us today, and let's just jump right into it. I did want to start off by saying uh, Chris is not uh, here in L.A. today. She's in Anaheim. She went back to Disney, and she got there this morning. For those of you who don't know, Chris is my girlfriend, and she got to Galaxy's Edge, and she sent me this picture. And for the audio listeners, it is a picture of the lightsaber cases, and they just got stock of a dark saber. And I saw this, and I immediately wept. I was so sad, because I was literally there two weeks ago, and they didn't have the dark saber. They also didn't have Leia's saber. They also didn't have Luke Skywalker's and Obi-Wan Kenobi's. They were out of a lot. But I told myself... <clears throat> When's the next time I'm going to be able to go? Who knows? I'm going to buy one. So I bought Darth Vader's. I showed it on last week's show. You could check that out. But oh my God, if they had the Darksaber when I was there at Galaxy's Edge, that would have been the one I purchased. But sadly, I already bought one and I can't just I can't justify buying another one right away because they are so damn expensive. <clears throat> but it's good to know that they exist and that maybe someday in the future I can go back and get another one. But that's that. We're going to jump into the main topics today. If you are new here to the show, welcome. If you're listening on the podcast form, whether it's Spotify, Apple, Amazon, or wherever, feel free to follow so you don't miss an episode. And if you're watching this on the YouTube or Twitch stream, give us a subscribe and like the video. So it helps us out so much. And if you are a listener who wants to go the extra mile and you know support us, there is a tipping option. In the links down below, you can find streamelements.com slash first slash tip. You can tip the show and show your support. And you can also send in your questions, which we'll use as main topics on the show. So let's get started. Let's start off by talking about Knights of the Old Republic. So two, three weeks ago, Lucasfilm Games had announced that they're making a KOTOR remake. Lucasfilm didn't actually announce it themselves. It was at a game event for PlayStation, and they revealed a new teaser trailer for Knights of the Old Republic. And it was a very great 
teaser. I mean, it was very simple. It just showed uh, Darth Revan walking through the smoke up to the front of the camera, igniting his lightsaber, and then revealing him his mask to the camera. And it was beautiful. Not only was it featuring Darth Revan, but the trailer actually featured the voice of Bastilla Shan, who was a character from the original Knights of the Old Republic game. Now, nothing else was shown. We didn't get any gameplay. We, it was just this very short cinematic, but I don't even think this is actual game footage itself. It was just a nice little teaser to let the fans know, hey, you're getting a Star Wars game. Not only are you getting a Star Wars game, you're getting the freaking Knights of the Old Republic. So I'm excited about this. We've talked about Knights of the Old Republic a lot on this show. We've speculated about this particular project being in development. We've actually done a separate video on it, which you can go check out. Um, on my page, you can see my video done on Keanu Reeves being Darth Revan in the future Star Wars projects, which still could be a possibility. And that's actually one of my most, it's my most popular video on this channel. So I would recommend checking that out if you have the time to do so. So this game is sadly, you know, only exclusive to PlayStation 5 and PC platforms. This makes me a little sad because I'm an Xbox guy. I don't have a PlayStation. I don't have a PC. I only have an Xbox. And what's funny about this exclusive release is that the original Knights of the Old Republic was only exclusive to Xbox and PC. And now it seems it's doing the, the reverse. A lot of people had speculated that, well, maybe it was just announced, since it was just announced at the PlayStation Con or game event, whatever it's called, that that was just for that event. But later on, they'll re announce that it's going to be released on all platforms, just like other games. Unfortunately, that's not the case, because Lucasfilm Games themselves came out and said it is only to be released on PlayStation 5 and PC. So... This saddens me, of course. I mean, I'm really happy they're making a game. I'm going to watch it, obviously. I'm going to try and play it on someone else's PlayStation, but to, I, I will not be able to own it, and that makes me so, so sad. You know, I know these game rights are, are really, they're really meticulous. They're really hard to obtain, and there's always bidding wars, and Sony won. So good news for the PlayStation people out there. Bad news for the Xbox people like myself. Nevertheless, I'm excited. I, I'm, ex I'm curious to see how they're going to remake this exactly because they did also say that they're not using the same code or the same uh, models and character stuff. They're literally remaking the entire game. So that could lead me to believe, hey, maybe they're doing a new story as well. So we'll just have to wait and find out until we get more information. But I'm really excited about it. If anything, I'll just get to watch some cool cinematic cuts just like the original did. Uh, I guess the last thing I'll say about it is KOTOR was known for being the first real role-playing game ever, like in that in that type of sense, um, and being so just immersive and, and things like that. Now, it's been ages since I've played it, so I really don't remember, but it, it was a game-changing uh, experience, and it might do that again on this next release. We'll have to just wait and find out. But in addition to Knights of the Old Republic, there is also a secret game that is yet to be announced, but it has been leaked that there is another new game coming out soon by Lucasfilm Games. And I have a quote here from a source that says they think they know what it is. So Quantum Dream is actually the studio that is rumored to be making this contract game agreement with Lucasfilm Games. And it is said that they've been developing a Star Wars title for approximately 18 months. So let's check out what the quote has to say. And it says, Quantum Dream has indeed been working on a Star Wars game for approximately a year and a half, but it won't be a conventional type of quick-time, event-driven game that we've come to expect from this French studio. But instead, they said that the game will have more traditional action gameplay and possibly even open world and multiplayer elements. So this game studio, Quantum Dream, has also been a Sony-exclusive gaming studio. They release their products on PlayStation 5 platforms exclusively. 
more bad news for us Xbox people out there. Uh, I can tell you how disappointed I am that there's another game, another big game, big budget game coming. There's potentially even open world that I may not even get to play. Nevertheless, it's still, it's still exciting. And this could be that game that everyone was talking about like six months ago about this new open world Star Wars video game that, were, that was leaked and all this stuff could be that game made by Quantum Dream. Now, I've never played any of the other games that this French studio has made. Some of them include games like Detroit and Hidden Sand or Hidden Rain, I think. And there was a third one that they've done. But from what I hear, they're pretty popular and pretty well received by players. So it'll be, it'll be nice to see. But this quote was a little vague for me. You know, saying that it's not going to be a traditional action gameplay, but rather it may feature open world and multiplayer elements. Well, duh. <laughs> if you're not going to be open world, it's probably going to be just like a, a standardized game, a mission set game. And if not that, then it's obviously going to be multiplayer. So it's going to be one of these three, four things. So, but if it's all of them put together, hey, we could have a, a Halo like Star Wars game coming really soon. Who knows? But that's it for the Star Wars game updates. Like I said, we got two games coming that we know of, two big games. Now, there is also news about a Mandalorian video game, but uh, I don't have enough news to talk about that with. There was some uh, leaked concept footage, but um, I'm not sure if that's real. I do believe the game itself could be potentially coming out, but these are the games we have announced so far. Knights of the Old Republic and an unnamed Quantum Dream studio game so let's find out later on what we can expect now as far as the next thing i want to talk about it's of course one of my most anticipated shows of all time obi-wan kenobi the kenobi series coming to disney plus sometime in december in uh, 2022 and what can we expect well we have some new quotes some uh words from our actor sang kang who is one of the most recently announced actors joining the cast for Obi-Wan Kenobi. And ever since that was announced, people have been speculating what could his role potentially be in this TV show. Well, recently he said some stuff that I think would make an interesting discussion on what that could actually be. So here's a quote from Sang Kang recently addressed. He said, I used to dress in a cheap Kmart plastic Halloween costume of Luke Skywalker or Darth Vader almost every single day from 8 to 13 years old. My friends and I would play pretend we'd make our own lightsabers out of, you know, toilet paper centers and stuff like that to be able to be on set and see Darth Vader and to see Star Wars universe in front of me. Just as a fan, to be a part of this history is pretty amazing. I kept pinching myself going, how did I end up here? And my character has a lightsaber and it's not a toy. It's an actual real thing. So obviously he's talking about his experience being on set. We do know a couple things. One, he meets Darth Vader at some point or shares a scene with Darth Vader. And number two, he wields a lightsaber. We've talked about this in the past and we've speculated on what this could mean. But I want to take another step further and really discuss it with you guys because I think the big question is, is he a Jedi or is he an Inquisitor? At least that's what most people are saying. But I want to throw out one other potential thing that he could possibly be. And before I do that, I want to uh, address uh, some people who are joining us into the chat. So welcome, Rule Farm Boy, Sith Care Bear, Robin McFly, and everyone else who is joining us live who has not sent in a hello. It's good to see you guys. Hope you're having a great day. And I hope you're enjoying all this Star Wars content. So check it out. Sang Kang. Is he a Jedi or is he the Inquisitor? Well, a lot of people speculate that he is going to be an Inquisitor. I can see that being a potential because this is a time period well, well pronounced that it was featuring Inquisitors. I mean, Darth Vader himself had hired a bunch of them to hunt down the remaining Jedi, one of which could be Obi-Wan Kenobi. But here is my speculation on to what he could be if he was a Jedi. So there was a Jedi named Asharad Het who was actually a native to Tatooine. He was born there, and he was actually raised and lived among Tusken Raiders. His family, his mother and father, were both living on Tatooine 
uh, living amongst the Tuscan Raiders and actually joined their clan and would dress up like them. And then they had this kid named Ashed, Ashed um, Het. His father's name was just Shedhet. And uh, this is a picture for those of you watching online. He was featured in the comic books, and he's notoriously known for having a duel with Obi-Wan Kenobi on Tatooine. Now, and other facts about Ashed, Asharad, excuse me, are the fact that he was, he used to be a Jedi of the Republic back in the Republic days. And then once the Empire took over, he actually went into hiding because of Order 66. However, he did survive Order 66. But shortly through that time of the original trilogy, he actually stayed in hiding. And then he, when Darth Sidious fell from power in Return of the Jedi, he actually took over that throne and became the new emperor. He readdressed himself as Darth Great, and he turned Sith, actually turned into a Darth Lord of the Sith, Darth Crate, which we can elaborate more on later. Now, that's one expansion, one narrative of his storyline. But we do know back before Disney, there was tons of different um, outlines and different storylines for characters, and one of which it was him becoming the Emperor after Return of the Jedi. But there was another storyline which is more popular and featured in the comics, and it was that he actually battled Obi-Wan Kenobi on Tatooine after sensing the presence of Luke Skywalker and he, that he was protecting Luke Skywalker. Now, what's funny is if you guys are watching on the video platform, you can see the photo of this uh, picture from the comics. And what's funny is this Obi-Wan in this comic strip actually looks a lot like Chris Evans from Avengers Endgame. I just wanted to point that out. I think that's kind of hilarious. But so this is the most popular storyline for Asharad Het and one that most of you probably know the best. And I actually wrote my own Obi-Wan Kenobi fan fiction years ago before they ever announced that they were doing a show themselves. And it did feature a shared cat, Het. I don't know why I keep messing up that name. And in my story, he actually joined forces with Obi-Wan Kenobi. But in the canonical canon, Marvel canon line, he was actually an enemy to Obi-Wan. So he sensed force presence of Luke Skywalker and wanted to turn him into Darth Vader because he also sensed the presence of a um, kin to the great Anakin Skywalker. And there's another backstory about him where he feels guilty and he feels like he is personally responsible for the death of the Jedi and the fall of the Republic. It's a, he's a very interesting character, lots of dynamics to him. And I think Sang Kang being a Sharad Het in the Obi-Wan Kenobi series would not only be probable, but this would be absolutely intense and it would be incredible. And this would be like a dream come true. It would literally be the fan fiction that I wrote myself about this Obi-Wan Kenobi series. If you're watching the video form, you can see on the right side of the screen is a picture of Darth Crate in his full form, in his final form as a Dark Lord of the Sith. And of course, on the left is Sang Kang. Now, I think this would be a great match. Personally, I've never seen Sang Kang in anything before. I know he's famous for the Fast and Furious movies, but I have not watched them. And what's funny is he played a character, Han, in those movies. But anyway, this would be a fantastic, fantastic addition to Kenobi. One, it makes sense because we do know his character has a lightsaber. Number two, we know that he has interactions with Darth Vader in at least one scene in this TV show. And what is also great about this edition is it would open up way more possibilities for other TV shows, spinoffs, and possibly even an Obi-Wan Kenobi season two. Guys, I can't express to you enough how much potential this series has. Not even talking about Obi-Wan himself. Not even talking about that character, just the world around it. Tatooine itself has so much history and so, there's so much going on there. And it, it bringing back Vader and Hayden and all this kind of stuff. This show is going to be the creme de la creme. And I cannot wait for it. But not only did Sang Kang have some things to say about Obi-Wan, also Ewan McGregor had some things to say about his upcoming series. So check this out. Ewan McGregor was recently at the Emmys. He won an award for his portrayal of, I think it's called Halston, which is a show about a fashion designer. I'm actually really wanting to watch it. I just haven't had time yet. But 
anyway, congratulations, Ewan. You won another Emmy. Maybe it's his first one. I don't know. Regardless, congrats. But while he was being interviewed after re- receiving his award, they asked him about Obi-Wan Kenobi. And they asked him about, you know, what his time was like there and how the process is going. Well, a couple of the things that he said was, one, they finished shooting Obi-Wan Kenobi. Obi-Wan Kenobi is wrapped. It's over. They finished shooting the whole thing. Deborah Chow is working in post-production. They're editing the process right now. But he said he had a great time. He loved the technology that they were using. He said it was a completely different and uh re-inventive type of way of working on Star Wars than it was 15 years ago when he did The Phantom Menace. He loved the technology. And he also said that he thinks that this will not disappoint fans. Now, of course, you know Star Wars fans. Anytime we get the slightest bit of any kind of words from our actors, we run with it as major headlines, right? This isn't a major headline. We know that this story has been worked on for the past seven years. And Ewan McGregor has been signed on to do it for seven years, but they did not greenlight it until they had the story down perfect. So, of course, it's not going to disappoint. If, even if this show is bad, even if Obi-Wan Kenobi sucks, even if it sucks, bantha balls, seeing Ewan back as Obi-Wan, seeing Hayden back as Anakin and Darth Vader, that won't disappoint. It doesn't disappoint me. I mean, the show is going to be great. And of course, Ewan McGregor is excited about it and he's talking about it and everyone else is getting pumped. So I want to know what you guys think about Obi-Wan Kenobi. What do you think about my theory about Sang Kang portraying Darth Krayt and or Sharad Het in this series? Maybe you have another theory, but I would like to hear that. Just comment in the comment section or down below or shoot me a message on social media and we'll talk about it. And I'm going to head over into the comments section on the live chat now and see what you guys are saying so we can chat for a little bit before we go into our next topic so um again let me see who is here joining us today oh thank you sith care bear detroit become human that's the uh that's one of the names of the games made by quantum dream that was apparently really popular and uh, a lot of people enjoy it and beyond two souls thank you so much for reminding me of that i can't wait he also says that kenobi is going to be epic i totally agree uh we're gonna i'm gonna have a lot of podcasting to do when the show comes out uh i'm really excited about it and sith care Bear thinks that he is going to be an inquisitor in this series josh also says that i'm all for different characters but i want the series to stay focused on obi-wan as much as possible i agree and as the title of the show itself suggests it is about Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh, I wouldn't be too worried about that. I Obviously, Star Wars has had a major problem in the past, introducing way too many characters and not knowing what to do with them. A great example is in... And I also see some new people joining us on Twitch. Poland64, welcome. Good to see you there. Um, But yeah, look at The Force Awakens. Uh, I mean, yes, it was a new movie introducing new characters and stuff like that. But then they really didn't go anywhere with those new characters. One person in particular was uh, Unkar Plutt and some other background people. But once you get to The Last Jedi, they introduce tons of new characters. And some of which they killed off and or just didn't go anywhere in the next movie. Another great example is Maz Kanata. Nothing was done with that. Um, What's her face? The Chrome Dome. Captain Phasma, another great example. And then you get to the Rise of Skywalker and it's and they introduce the, like like five, six, seven more characters. Um, Jana is was that her name? Jana, Lando's quote unquote daughter. Um, completely a waste of time. Didn't just need for her to be in there. Rose Tico, wasted in the Rise of Skywalker. Finn, wasted. Introducing way too many characters without addressing your old ones is a waste of time. And so we can see why you might be a little nervous about them introducing more characters and not having enough time for Obi-Wan. But just know that I think I think they're going to get this one right. I think they've learned from their mistakes. If there are any mods in the chat, will you please um, kick out the person that is causing some trouble? I would really appreciate that. Um, so Rule Farm Boy says... 
What do I want from an Obi-Wan Kenobi story? I got no wants. Tell me a Star Wars story. That's what I want. Simple man, rule farm boy. That's what I like to hear. I mean, honestly, that's how we all should act. You know, we just want a good story. That's what everybody wants. So thanks for sharing your thoughts. Uh, actually, guys, one second. There is someone causing some trouble on Twitch. So let me see if I can kick them out of here. And then we will continue on. If any pe- if any mods are on Twitch right now, if you can kick out the uh, troublemaker, that'd be fantastic. We don't need any of that here. Okay, so another bit of on the news side of things, I wanted to go all the way back in time and talk about The Mandalorian. So The Mandalorian Season 3, long anticipated, still waiting for it. Well, they did announce yesterday that they have begun shooting Season 3. And part of this major headline has also brought the attention to the fact that Pedro Pascal is not there yet. He has not started filming himself. The line producer has not called on Pedro Pascal to step on foot of production. I don't think that's newsworthy. I mean, he really wasn't on set for season two or season one either. He's shooting that video game movie right now. What is that video game movie called? The Last of Us. He's shooting that right now with Sony, I think. So he's going to be busy for the next like five, six months. But not too, too big a news story because he's really not in it that much anyway. He's the voice actor. And occasionally he'll show his face. Um, but... Obviously, this does play an important conversation piece in talking about the plot of Mandalorian Season 3 because we do know that he revealed his face at the end of Season 2 to Grogu. And according to the rules of the organization of, or the sector of Mandalorians that he is a part of, once you show your face, that's it. You're, you're done. You're kicked out. You're booted. So could it possibly be that he is because he wasn't around the members of his clan that he still puts it on and makes believe that he's still a part of that group. How is he coming to terms with the fact that he learned that his, his clan is actually a cult of the old Mandalorian ways that he wasn't aware of. So it's interesting to find out again. I don't think it's newsworthy. I think he's still going to be in the show. I think he'll show his face some more obviously, but um, they started shooting. So that's pretty exciting. The other thing to mention about, um, Mandalorian is our boy Luke Van Gorenson, the composer for season one and two, is returning for season three. Obviously, won an Emmy for his score of season two, which I think was way better than season one's score, leagues better, eight years better, so to speak. Don't get me wrong, season one score for Mandalorian was great, but I, my biggest critique of it was that it didn't know what it was trying to do. It was very experimental. Ludwig has a very experimental mindset when he composes. I do as well. But when you're doing something like Star Wars, I it was it was it was so juxtaposed to what we're used to. It, it was it was difficult for me to kind of grasp that concept. And I finally understood it in season two. But I also think Ludwig did as well. The score was fantastic. I can't believe he won. I mean I can believe but I'm so happy for him that he won. But in addition to the music composition win, Mandalorian Season 2 actually won seven full Emmy Awards this year for their awesome stuff. Uh, Some of which included, obviously, music composition. But there was also prosthetic makeup award, cinematography, stunt performance, stunt coordination, special VFX, and sound mix. So it's all exciting stuff. Of course, they deserve it. They're one of the best shows out there right now. John Favreau and Dave Filoni are leading us into brighter pastures. Um, I do know it was also nominated for like 20 other things. And one of which was Best Dramatic Series. And I think it got beat out by The Crown, which I've never watched. But it's a really popular show and I hear it's really good. So... You know, maybe next season we can we can hope for hope for that. But it's good to know that it doesn't base the award system on popularity, because it it would probably have a better chance of winning best dramatic series. And I'm always a little concerned about that, about how they judge awards, things like that. But it looks like this was rightfully given its awards. But in addition to that, Ludwig van Gorenson is not only returning for The Mandalorian Season 3, but he is also coming back 
to compose music for the book of Boba Fett. We also did get a release date for that last week. We found out that it is coming out on December 29th. So we got a little ways to wait. It's coming out a little later than we thought, but we did know it was December. So really excited about that show. And I really hope that Ludwig brings a completely different type of music score to Boba Fett. He kind of did it in season two in the episode five where it was his comeback episode and Robert Rodriguez directed it and it was gritty and it was grounded and all that kind of stuff. But I really want... I think this is the moment where he can embrace his experimental composition techniques and really use that for Boba Fett because Boba Fett is such a different character than the other clones, than the other bunny hunters. He's unique. So I think he should embrace those elements of his writing into the book of Boba Fett. But this is great. This is good news. Anything Ludwig van Gorenson does, I'm on board with. His score for Black Panther is one of the one of the best I've ever heard. I studied that for a long time. And uh, I've also studied the Mandalorian theme as well, which is really good. It, it changes keys a little bit here and there. Maybe I'll do like a breakdown video of the score of the Mandalorian at some point because it's an interesting piece of music. It doesn't follow a simple narrative key structure. It kind of changes here and there, which is very interesting, but it it's it's consistent in the melody line. That's a completely out of the box thing, which I might have to do another video for, but uh, exciting stuff exciting stuff um josh says i will be co-hosting a book of boba fett weekly review series slash podcast when it comes out and i can't wait wow that's great josh um when that happens you'll have to let me know so i can watch it congrats uh, i'm glad you're doing a series uh i can't wait to watch it maybe we can collab someday in the future he also says i think the style of the series will be very different from the mandalorian i agree I think Robert Rodriguez has been itching for a television series ever since his Dawn of the Dead got canceled. And he's a very uh, different kind of filmmaker, too. Knows how to work with low budget and make it seem very big and bombastic. So I can't wait, too. I think it's going to be a different style. I think you're right. Okay, everybody. So there was one last thing that I wanted to talk about as far as um, I guess, current relevancies in the Star Wars universe, and that is Star Wars Visions. Now, I'm not going to do a review. Uh, I'm saving that for when I can do it with Chris because she's the anime expert. I am not. But I do want to talk a little bit about my experience watching it. And StarWars.com released some fun facts about some of the episodes that I found were very interesting. And I wanted to share it with you guys here. So I guess one of the first one is talking about the visions as a whole, the, this, the whole entire series. Where did this concept come from? Well, according to uh, some of the creators of the show, the title for this series, Visions, actually was inspired by a book that George Lucas had commissioned. There was a book written in 2010 that was a Star Wars art book filled with diverse pieces of commissioned work by George Lucas himself. And it was titled Visions and Origins. And it was just concept art that wasn't used in anything that they've done before, but it was from a variety of different places, different art styles. Uh, they had like anime, they had like classic oil, they had painting and all that kind of stuff and drawings. And this is actually the book that inspired Star Wars Visions. So it's to see that George Lucas had two different forms of inspiration on this animated series. And I just thought that was really cool. I wanted to share that. Now, the second fun fact is actually about one of the episodes. It was the episode called Lop and Ocho. I should probably mention if you guys haven't seen Visions yet, you should probably uh, come back later after you watch it because I will be talking about spoilers. So Lop and Ocho. I forget which number episode this was, but this was honestly one that I was a little worried about because it just looked a little weird. But I will say now, this was actually a fantastic episode. I really loved it. I thought it was one of the, the better ones. And if you want a synopsis of it, you can watch my our review on it a little later. But as far as the fun facts about this episode, so the character as you can see in the video, or if you've watched the show, you know the main character is a bunny. <laughs> it's a bunny rabbit. And she comes from a planet of bunny rabbits. And that's why I was a little hesitant to watch the episode because it just seemed a little weird. But it wasn't weird. It was great. It was fantastic. And it's funny because this character was actually inspired by an original Star Wars bunny character 
called Jackson, otherwise known as Jax. And it, you can see his photo down at the bottom right there. Now, this character was created back in the 1970s. It was one of the original first comic book characters for Star Wars. And he was a fun-loving bounty hunter type character. He was Fun fact, he was actually friends with Han Solo. But during the development of the Lop and Ocho episode, the director, Yuki Agashari, asked his team if they knew of any rabbit characters in Star Wars. And the mechanical designer, which I think his name is Ismo Juki, I could be mispronouncing that, but he immediately thought of this green furred Jackson. And quote from Yuki says, he told me about this species called the Lepus carnivorous living on Cochell Prime. Lop is quite small, so I imagined it could be sort of kind of species Lepus carnivorous. So fun fact, that is where the origins of this character came from. And again, watch that episode. It's great. It's not one of the, my favorites, but it was definitely one of the best ones I've seen of the series so far. So the next fun fact that was released was actually about another one of my favorites, Tatooine Rhapsody. Uh, the, the episode about the rock band in the galaxy far, far away, sponsored by Jabba the Hutt. So the song at the end of this show, which I don't really remember the words, but I remember it went like, I sounded bad, right? But that was actually pretty close to how it sounded in the final version of the song. I thought it sounded, I thought um, Joseph Gordon Levitt's voice sounded bad. His singing voice is not good. I guess it worked for this episode and what they were going for, but that was the my least favorite part of the music side of things. But anyway, so. The song for Tatooine Rhapsody was inspired by the Ramones song Blitzkrieg Bop. And I thought that was very interesting, too, because now that I think about it, I go back and listen to it. And yeah, they're really similar. And that band itself, the I forgot what they called themselves, but the Tatooine Rhapsody, they were very similar to the early days of the Ramones, especially the Hut character who had like the black hair. Now, again, this was a good episode. It, it, it was probably one of the weaker ones, honestly, but I really loved it because I'm a guitar player and I was all about this show and a lightsaber microphone. You can't go wrong. That's pretty cool. The last fact that StarWars.com said about Visions was about um, probably my favorite episode, which was The Ninth Jedi. Um, the Ninth Jedi was the longest episode of this animated series, but it, it was definitely my favorite. And so what they had to say was that this episode was actually supposed to look and feel completely different. So the production company who wrote this idea actually began developing their story as two different pitches. The director, Kenji Kamaya, had said that he was fascinated with the original separate story ideas of a lightsaber blacksmith and a masterless Jedi. So the production company pitched both ideas and Lucasfilm is actually the ones that offered the suggestion to merge both the stories into one to create one animated short, which I think was a pretty good idea. Their quotes here says that after seeing these characters and the kind of world building that they had, it became really clear to me that these two stories that live together in the same space, same level. And I got to tell you, I'm really glad that they merged both these stories because I thought it was perfect. This was my favorite episode. It was the one that was left open-ended as if there's more story to tell. I really hope so. The girl character who is the daughter of the lightsaber smith um, was great. I really loved her, her, her enthusiasm and her will to become a Jedi one day. The whole idea of the lightsaber's changing color according to who is wielding it was amazing that's been done before we've seen that before but to see a color not yet be realized by this young soon-to-be jedi was something we hadn't seen before and the twist of it where it turns out that all those jedis in that little room well not all of them but for the most part they were sith and i thought that was great and then the one guy's lightsaber turned purple because he was actually more influenced off the other's dark side energy and it was feeding his dark side energy and he became Sith that way. It was a great episode. This was fantastic. I'm really glad they merged both the story ideas because it just made it better, I think. And I think that's probably why this is the longest episode of Star Wars Visions so far. But yeah, guys, if you haven't seen Visions, watch it. I was hesitant, honestly, at first. Uh, 
the first episode, like I said, I'm not going to do a full review right now. I'm going to wait for Chris, but um, the first episode, forgettable. I don't remember anything about it. It was the, it was the weakest one for me. It was distracting, honestly. And um, it, it was discouraging me from continuing to go ahead. So if you felt that way watching the first episode, don't worry. It gets way better. Episodes like The Elder are fantastic. The Twins is phenomenal. Everything. If you guys love good storytelling, short form storytelling, and Star Wars, you can't go wrong with these episodes. I think you'll have a great time. That's it for the Star Wars news. That is it that has been released by StarWars.com about Vision's fun facts. But if you want to know more, you can go to their website. But I'm going to head over to the chat and see what you guys are talking about. And we can talk about whatever is on your mind now. So let's take a look here and see. Cryer Speeds, welcome, my friend. Good to see you again. Hope you're having a great weekend. And um, it looks like you enjoyed Star Wars Visions. So glad to see that uh, you watched it. And um, maybe you'll do a review on it and I can watch it. So uh, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, Rule Farm Boy, uh, that was addressed to somebody else. Never mind. <laughs> um, let's see here. I thought at first I would hate Lop and Ocho, but ended up loving the story. Maybe later Lop can meet Jack. So, yeah, me too. Um, but you know, uh, before I address your your comment, I want to say something about the which episode was it? The episode with the little robot boy, the Astro Boy anime. Um, what was that episode called? Um, Anyway, that episode, when it first started, I was like, holy shit, I'm not going to make it through this episode. <laughs> it was the most annoying episode. The The whole starting of it was just bad. It was bad. The animation didn't look good. The sound effects were so annoying. I wanted, I had, I was getting a headache just like listening to it, but it got, it got better. And then it became one of my uh, top hits of the show. I forget what the episode is called. Uh, what's his name? Um, uh, the little Astro Boy. If anyone knows, let me know in the chat. But um, so that's just a, a fun fact about my my listening, my viewing uh, experience. But yeah, I I didn't think I was gonna lo- like Lop and Ocho either, but I ended up really loving it. I thought you know the whole aspect of um, the the girl being brought into the family, and then the one daughter being like, "Oh, that lightsaber is my inheritance. Like, what are you doing with that? That's that's for me." It was great. It was it was good stuff. It was realistic. And a lot of it felt rushed. There were some pacing issues. Yeah, but um, it was a great episode and I ended up liking the character. I thought it was going to be annoying to do some kind of like silly anime voice or something, but it was good. I think that one I watched in English. So my goal is to watch all the episodes in Japanese and in English because there's a lot of famous English dubs featured on the series but um me and chris watched half of it in anime and the other half we watched in english so at some point we'll go and we'll do the reverse of it but i'm also curious to find out if you guys watched the dub english version or did you just stick with the japanese original intention so let me know that as well um yes the ninth jedi to continue with more stories totally and it's not just the ninth jedi there was another one that was left a little open-ended. I can't remember which one it was, but actually a couple of, oh, the twins. The twins is definitely open-ended. I think this is getting a season two. I definitely do. Does it deserve a season two? We'll have to wait and see because um, the fan reception for this is, is positive. It's really positive, but it's not as big as even the Bad Batch, which is interesting because I thought the Bad Batch was a bad batch. But um, yes, a lot of these stories I would love to see continued. And I think Studio Trigger is one that is going to get a renewal of some kind. And it's smart that they did that too, because this was supposed to be a limited series type thing. But because they left some of it open-ended, it's going to have fans demanding more, not demanding, asking for more or curious to find out. And so we might get a little bit more push for them to do something, something in addition to that. And something also that I think this could break into is potentially a full-length Star Wars anime movie. Could it work? Who knows? But I think it's interesting. Okay, Josh says he thinks that the first episode of the Visions had the most beautiful animation. So 
look, uh, <laughs> it's just my opinion. I did not like the animation of the first one. I thought it was it was different. It was um, it was not done bad. It was not bad animation. I just thought it was distracting. Uh, I'm not at all saying that it was a piece of crap. Okay, it was just my least favorite. And uh, watching it, I was just it felt like I was watching a bunch of white noise. I, I just think uh, if anything, they could have done a little bit better with the compositing. And differentiating, I guess, some of the moving pieces as opposed to some of the static pieces. But again, I'm not, I don't know anything about animation. I, I just know what my eye perceives. But dude, I'm glad you liked it. I really am. The Ronin, that's what it's called. They're actually continuing the Ronin character's story. I saw that. And I think actually, I think I have that book on a pre-order, if I'm not mistaken. The Ronin book. Um which is, uh, I don't know, I'll, I'll keep you posted on that. Cryer Speed says that The Village Bride was fantastic. That one was the one with <laughs> The Village Bride. <laughs> that one was good too. That one, that one had a great, a lot of these had great individual lore to them, right? And it was nice to see that they were really building their own universe inside of the Star Wars galaxy. Uh, the Village Bride was one of which that did that. Excellent lore attached to this planet where the Village Bride would be taken away by the Empire. Was it the Empire? Yeah. Um, but yeah, Village Bride was great too. Um, actually, I'm just curious. Anyone who's watching live, let me know what your favorite episode of Visions was in the chat. Um, mine was The Ninth Jedi. Uh, let me know yours so I can be better acquainted with your view on the show. Toby. T-O-B-1, Toby, that was his name. Thank you, Rural Farm Boy. Um, yeah, he started out as my like my most hated character in Star Wars. <laughs> and then he slowly became likable. And I think that was the point. So thank you for uh, reminding me of the name. Uh, sorry, guys, it looks like my camera is stalling on me. So give me one second. Give me one second here. Are we back yet? Hank, everybody, one second. I'm just going to fix my. Okay, it should be back a little bit now. Um, okay, so let's see. Uh, Rural Farm Boy only watched the dub version. Yeah, I still need to finish the dubs. I, I, I'm curious to see how the other ones sound. It looks like uh, Josh Anderson watched the dubbed version and the subbed version. Pretty cool. Um. Highly stylistic. That's the word I was looking for for the Ronin episode. Uh, highly stylistic. Or was it called The Duel? I think it was called The Duel. Uh, very highly stylistic stuff. Um, which was which was good. I think that's they got exactly what they wanted out of it. So that's, that's great stuff too. You know, there was some... <laughs> I said I wasn't going to talk about Visions that much. And now I'm talk, all I'm talking about is Star Wars Visions. But check this out. So uh, one of the things that I wanted to... Uh, address with Star Wars Visions was um, uh, the idea of see now I'm drawing a blank I totally forgot what I was going to say because um, I'm looking at this 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 live feed right here sorry about that I'm having issues with my camera so bear with me one second um, oh my gosh Max made it into the chat look at that Max finally made it. He said he wasn't going to make it here today, but he made it into the live chat. Welcome, Max. Good to see you, my friend. You're like really close to ending the show today, but you may. Hey, you made it uh, just in time to feel the force. Um, what was I going to say about vision? Um, oh, what were your guys' favorite episodes? Yeah. Star, oh, Star Waver is the name of the band in Tatooine Rhapsody. Star Waver. Thanks, farm boy. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't need to see another episode of that. That'd be okay. Um, actually, I'm going to save the rest of my Visions talk for my Visions review. Um, because I really want to do that with Chris. I, I was debating on talking more about it right now, but... Um, me and Chris are going to do our own video, not a live stream. We're going to do our own video about Star Wars Visions. And she'll probably have a lot better things to say about it than I will. Because uh, she's really um, she's really well-versed in anime. 
Um, oh, Rule Farm Boy said he loved all nine of them. He doesn't favor any Star Wars story over another. I love your outlook, my friend. I love your outlook on Star Wars and on life. You're just a, a rule, rule farm boy. I love it. Um, guys, that was that was my whole show for today. We talked about everything. We talked about Knights of the Old Republic. We talked about Obi-Wan Kenobi. We talked about the new game that is coming out soon to Lucasfilm. And we talked about Star Wars Visions. That was all I had prepared for today. I was debating on if I wanted to talk about the Scarlett Johansson lawsuit because it ended. And... I've been following this thing like religiously since it began week like months ago. Um, but no, we're not going to talk about it. <laughs> It'll just get me riled up. Um, but anyway, again, uh, we missed last week. I missed a couple weeks before that. You know, I, I was so busy with work. I'm still busy with work, but um, we will be back tomorrow. I mean, not tomorrow, uh, next week uh, for the show. So we're going to try and do this every week again. And I'm also right after this stream is over, I'm going to go edit that video that I promised you like five weeks ago about the Star Wars Dr. Squash soap bars. I know it sounds stupid to make a video on Star Wars soap, but <laughs> I made a really short review of it and I'm, I, find, I edited it and I'm finally going to upload it and I'll post it later today. But for everyone who joined us on the live stream on Twitch and on YouTube, thanks for being here with us today. Um, Actually, you know what? Josh just said something about it. So now I'm going to talk about it. Okay, so Disney said they're still working with her. And he put the little I don't know emoji. Um, so what, what, did, what did they say? They, they both said like some bullshit answer when the, when the lawsuit ended. So basically, if you, if you guys haven't watched my video, I did an entire hour-long video on the Scarlett Johansson lawsuit. And I think it was titled something like Bob Chapek is ruining everything, <laughs> which he is. That's not being facetious. Um, and I tried to keep it non-biased. I tried to just say some facts and stuff like that. Um, and I just find it interesting. I'm not really invested in this, but I just I love following this type of stuff. And so what, what happened um, was it finally ended like last Wednesday or something, Tuesday. The lawsuit ended and they ended up settling and Disney didn't want to settle. And I think the reason why they settled with Scarlett Johansson is because they filed to do arbitration court, but they got denied for that. And they didn't want their dirty, dirty work being put out to the public in court. So they decided just to settle and they ended up paying her a at least $40 million. But not only that, as Sith Care Bear was saying, they also greenlit multiple projects for her in the future. So think about that. Not only did she get a settlement of cash, not only did she get a check for $40 million, but she was also able to negotiate them to greenlight multiple projects for her in the future to guarantee her a job at Disney going forward. That's impressive. That's impressive as hell. Her lawyer did a great job. Um, because if you remember last month, uh, Bob Chapek said, you know, we're not going to work with her anymore. He didn't specifically say that, but his representation said, we're not working with Scarlett Johansson anymore. She's, we're not going to do Tower of Terror. It's, can it's canceled. That's the movie that they were going to make with Scarlett. And they were, they were pretty much cutting ties with her because they were just so embarrassed that, you know, she was, <laughs> they broke the contract for Black Widow. But that's what, that's what's so fascinating about this is, they have something on Scarlet has something on Disney. I don't know what it is, but it's something that Disney doesn't want to put out into the public. And they settled with Scarlet. They gave her $40 million and they also gave her movies, movie contracts, deals, green lit projects. And uh, that's just that blows my mind. So she's also getting like, what is that? Like 80 million more dollars, you know, and future job security. But I mean, if, $40 million alone could, uh, I could live the rest of my life. I could live 20 lifetimes off of that. Um, but Hey, she got paid good for her, whatever. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's really all I have to say about, Oh, the last thing I'll say about the Scarlett Johansson lawsuit is, um, 
the statements, the statements that they both released after the lawsuit ended. And Scar Disney came out and they were just like, I'm so glad we could come to terms with, we could finally put our differences aside and we could rejoin forces with Scarlett Johansson. What? And then Scarlett Johansson said like the exact same thing in her press release. She was like, I'm so glad we can put our differences aside and we could, uh, you know, be friends again. And I'm, I know why she said those things because she was on a high. She just got $40 million for doing nothing. 40 million bucks and tons of new projects for her. So of course she's happy. Of course she's going to say those things. She's on a high from that. But (laughs) to have um, Disney representation, Disney PR come out and say those things about her after last month, they were saying the complete opposite. They were like, Oh, she's embarrassing us. She's the reason like she's we're, we're dealing with a pandemic and she shouldn't be harassing us like this, blah, blah, blah. Uh, they exposed her, her payments. They, they exposed like, you know, I don't know, a bunch of other stuff. And then they do a complete 180 and they're just like, Oh, we love Scarlet now. It's interesting. It's real. there's so much more to this that we're never going to find out. Um, but I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep wondering in the back of my mind. Uh, anyway, that's, that's all I have to say about the Scarlett Johansson thing. Interesting. Max says he has not watched Star Wars Visions. Actually, you know what? It's not that interesting because I think I remember you saying that you weren't interested in anime or weren't interested in the show to begin with. I will give you some potential hope though, for you to potentially watch it. They're really short. They're really short. Um, some of them are like 10 minutes long. So if you want to give it a shot, at least try one of the really small episodes and see if you like it. Um, yeah, Josh, I knew they were going to settle too. They, but the thing is they should have settled from the beginning because at the beginning, way back in like, was it June? Uh, maybe even May they, Scarlett Johansson said that they want to settle for $20 million. And then that months later, that number went up to 40. If they had settled in the beginning, they would never have to deal with any of this crap. So yeah, <laughs> I knew they were going to settle too, buddy. Please don't bring back Black Widow, not because I don't like the character, but because every character Marvel kills off is coming back to a few movies later. Yeah, so there's this guy I watch on YouTube called John Campia, and he calls it the Marvel Fake Death Universe, the MFDU, FDU, the Marvel Fake Death Universe. That is that's what it really stands for. Um, but you're right; it's kind of like after you watch these movies, after a while, you start to lose emotional investment in them because you're like, is anyone ever really dead? Like um, Luke Skywalker, no one's ever really gone. I mean, even Star Wars, Palpatine's back. <laughs> I love the Palpatines are back memes. I love that. Um, but you're right. I think they should, if the Black Widow had an ending, I think they should just stop, you know. Um, Captain America had an ending. Iron Man had an ending. But you know what? We're probably going to see all of them back at some point in time, which is sad. Um, maybe Scarlet could play a live action Mara Jade. I heard a rumor that um, there's actually another, there's more talks about Mara Jade coming back, not in a um, uh, a video game, but in uh, in the TV show, actually. I think it was the Ahsoka show. I don't know if that's true or not, but I did hear that. Um, and it looks like everyone agrees. Uh, Cryer Speed says he likes the idea of Scarlett Johansson being Mara Jade. Uh, Josh says that we need more Cara J- Mara Jade. Um, yeah, uh, Max, look at that. You may have said something uh, pretty, pretty agreeable there. Scarlett Johansson as Mara Jade. What do you guys think? Maybe we'll do a video on that. Um, that what if? What if Scarlett Johansson played Mara Jade? Good uh, recommendation there. Um, yeah, I think that's it for today, everybody. I think I'm going to call it a day. I got a lot of stuff to do, um, but thank you guys so much for joining us. I love just kind of hanging out after the show and just talking with you guys in the live chat and seeing what you're up to. Um, we're going to be back next Sunday with more live streaming podcasting. And until then, I'm going to upload a couple more videos. One thing out later today, feel free to check it out if you like. Um, I'm really excited about all this stuff we talked about, the video games, 
Obi-Wan Kenobi, so much more. And we'll have more to talk about next week, which I'm really excited for you to join us there too. So again, thank you guys so much. And now somehow, some way, somewhere this week, may the force be with you. So who talks first? You talk first. I talk first.